Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. There's an old Hollywood saying which states there are only three types of movies. Those that aspire to quality and succeed, those that aspire to quality and fail, and those that were never meant to be any good at all. The latter category is the focus of today's list. Those sequels, spin-offs, and remakes made first and foremost to make money, not be good movies. I'm Josh from WhatCulture.com, and these are 10 movies that were never meant to be good. Number 10, Alice Through the Looking Glass. Alice Through the Looking Glass is what happens when a movie makes a billion dollars. After the surprise smash success of Alice in Wonderland, Tim Burton was brought back six years later to support this ode to diminishing returns that essentially functioned solely to support a succession of hollow set pieces. Essentially, it's a derivative retread of the original, all iconography and aesthetics over story and character. Alice returns to Underland and once again encounters the Mad Hatter, the Red Queen, et al. Every single scene feels like it was made out of contractual obligation. Shockingly, it turns out that audiences aren't mindless drones though, and as a result the sequel made a fraction of the original's box office receipts, clocking in at just under $300 million. Now that might sound like a win still, but it's a steep drop from the previous movie and it apparently lost Disney a cool $70 million. Number 9, Kick-Ass 2. Despite being a major movie all things considered, the original Kick-Ass was an indie passion project first and foremost. Director Matthew Vaughn took a gamble on adapting the edgy comic, and at the time it was almost an impossibility that any of the major studios would finance a hard-ass superhero project, especially one not based on an identifiable superhero character to begin with. This freedom from the studio system ultimately paid off in the end though. Not only was Kick-Ass well received critically and commercially, but it gave it the creative freedom to be something genuinely unique, and offer up a comic book story unafraid to take risks. The sequel, though, is not cut from that same cloth. With Matthew Vaughn swapped out for a different director, much of the charm was lost, and Kick-Ass 2, like so many other movies on this list, played out more like fan fiction than a proper follow-up. So much of the identity of the original was lost, its risk-taking replaced with broad comedy and gross-out humour, and what was left was a shell of a movie made out of obligation to a successful original. Number 8. Night of the Living Dead 3D. With the exception of Tom Savini's Night of the Living Dead remake, there isn't a single riff on George A. Romero's horror classic that feels like anything more than a soulless attempt to cash in on a beloved brand. And that's because the original Night famously was never copyrighted, and thus anyone was free to redistribute or remake the picture as it was in the public domain. That's how you get flicks like Night of the Living Dead 3D, which is a shoddily made low-budget zombie effort that can't hold a candle to the movie 
movie it takes its title from. In fact, the whole project feels cynical, a bit like one of those pub quiz machines that purposefully misspells answers to easy questions in order to catch out drunk people, and nothing more than a lame excuse to draw in Romero fans. Despite the always watchable Sid Haig showing up for a little bit, this is only for people who watched the original movie and thought, wow, the only thing that would make this better is if it had the production values and acting of a first year student film. Number 7, Now You See Me Too. From the director of Step Up To The Street, and G.I. Joe Retaliation comes a movie that throws credibility to the winds about the time Merritt McKinney is visited by his identical twin brother, who hypnotizes him with a spinning pizza box. Or something. The plot of Now You See Me 2, which I still cannot believe they didn't just call Now You Don't, like Christ did any of these filmmakers even have an ounce of crack between them, involves the main magicians from the first movie being dispatched to battle Dan Radcliffe's villain over a microchip. It's a daft, daft movie, but that's all it really sets out to be. A really silly romp that makes no sense but offers a feel-good time that works wonders at the box office. The thing with these movies specifically though is that part of the intrigue is supposed to be how they actually pulled these mad tricks off. Except they're all so clearly CGI that there's nothing to reveal. The audience knows the trick isn't real and thus the fun is kinda limited. It's such a weird, weird series and you know what, I kinda have to love that it exists. Number 6, Underworld Blood Wars. Credit where credit's due, Blood Wars is a more engaging, less contrived sequel than Underworld Awakening by a good stretch, and goes some way towards making up for its predecessor. Released shortly before Resident Evil The Final Chapter, it's pretty much the same movie, with another kick-ass heroine fighting some humorless villains who you can tell are evil just by looking at them, though the filmmakers have inserted a detail that distinguishes this movie in an overcrowded marketplace. That being that near the end of Blood Wars, Kate Beckinsale's hair changes colour slightly. Otherwise, it's just one of those good time waster horror movies. Nothing in it is particularly inspiring, but it's not particularly dull either. It's a great distraction and enjoyable enough and interesting enough to keep you invested in how this series ends. Number 5. Bad Santa 2. It took over a decade for this sequel to reach the screen, and you have to wonder why they even bothered, because Bad Santa 2 is just the same movie again, but everyone is much older and the filmmaking is far uglier. This time around, Billy Bob Thornton's Banta Claus is joined by his mother, played by Kathy Bates. Now, if you think that having two Oscar winners in the lead roles is going to elevate the proceedings, then guess again. Bates' character is the wrong kind of obnoxious, adding little in the way of humour and just being there to kind of be a little bit gross. Again, in a way, this almost feels like fan fiction or a fan movie than it does a proper follow-up. It's definitely at the level of a bad TV movie, I can tell you that. It's bland, formulaic and predictable, only really existing to show how much better the first film was. After so many years, you have to wonder what the incentive was. Even Billy Bob Thornton admitted, quote, we're never going to beat the first one, so the goal was clearly financial above everything else. Number 4, The Lost World Jurassic Park. If it hadn't been for a little movie called Titanic, The Lost World would have been the biggest film of 1997. Back in 1993, the original Jurassic Park made $920 million worldwide. So Spielberg and Co slapped together a story about a Site B, threw in a child protagonist, added some too dumb to be believable victims into the mix, and presto, scored another runaway hit. 
However, The Lost World was nowhere near as well received as Jurassic Park by fans or critics, with many wondering what went wrong. Well, the answer is tragically simple. Jurassic Park was a monster hit, and this follow-up was rushed into production to capitalise on it. However, the director himself even admitted to losing focus while filming, wondering why he was even making this to begin with and failing to find a real passionate drive. Consequently, this goes a long way in explaining the finished product. Number 3, Resident Evil The Final Chapter You can say this much for the final Resident Evil installment. It is a terrific distraction when you're doing chores around the house. You can stay for the action scenes, move on when you lose interest, and dip in and out without really missing anything. Now, Resident Evil sequels have always been reliably awful fun, but at least they had the money to stage some epic scale action scenes that held the attention. I mean, just look at Afterlife's opening attack on Umbrella HQ for a good example of this. Mounted on the lowest budget since the 2002 original though, the final chapter can't even manage that so instead settles for editing scenes in the absolute most inane way ever to distract you from even noticing. Nobody's trying too hard this time around and a sense of contractual obligation to end things hangs over the whole thing. The disregard for the previous movie's cliffhanger, the characters killed off screen, the breaks and retcons in the continuity, changing motivations and nonsense twists all point towards a writer who just wanted this series to be done as quick as possible. Number two, Independence Day Resurgence. Say what you like about the original Independence Day, but that shot of the aliens destroying the White House made it a fixture of pop culture forever. 20 years later, the most remarkable thing about this belated sequel though is just how desperately contrived it feels. After a string of bombs, director Roland Emmerich went back to his biggest hit and attempted to turn it into a franchise, complete with an open-ended finale that sets up another sequel that probably will never get made. He needn't have bothered though, because even by the standards of the man who remade Godzilla that badly, Resurgence is a coldly calculated Hollywood product that gives its audience no joy. It's and hits the exact same beats of every belated Hollywood sequel, a new generation cast, nostalgia, and a plot that feels like it's been in stasis for 20 years. The original was big dumb fun, but it was at least inventive, and this thing absolutely is not. Number 1. The Amazing Spider-Man 2 Sony's intent with The Amazing Spider-Man 2 was not to make a good film, it was to set up the Spider-Man cinematic universe. Now it might be tough to remember now, considering that Tom Holland's Peter Parker is such a big part of the MCU, but back in the early 2010s, Sony had a grand plan to use The Amazing Spider-Man films to essentially set up a series of different spin-offs. Consequently, The Amazing Spidey 2 was first and foremost an advert for things to come, rather than a satisfying flick in its own right. In this convoluted mess, you had the setup for a Sinister Six movie, not only accomplished by cramming three villains into this one sequel, but also teasing future villains like Doc Ock as well, and a whole subplot with Peter and his parents, who were presumed dead but were supposed to show up alive at the end. It might sound like I'm blowing this a little bit out of proportion, I mean, after all, what franchise doesn't tease upcoming projects? But it was so bad here that one of the movies Sony was planning to make was an Aunt May spin-off, and even that was teased in this sequel. Sony didn't care about making a good Spider-Man movie, it cared about establishing the Spider-Man brand. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag, say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. 
And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.